Good morning. I guess I can take this off, right? There we go. Good to see you all. You all doing this? You're probably thinking, who is this guy? Well, my name is, is Sean Kitley. Uh, and actually, I am uh, your Harvest Baptist Church business manager. And, you know, until a few uh, months ago, I also oversaw uh, children's ministry uh, from the fifth grade on down. And when I say oversaw, I really just coordinated the people that knew what they were doing, because I didn't. But be that what it may. So, so why me? Who is this guy? What am I doing up here? Well, as you may or may not, you probably know, uh, Mark Trotter passed away this last week. And uh, Pastor Allen's uh, up there at the funeral. They had a funeral yesterday, a memorial service this morning. He's ministering to the family, and that's where he needs to be. Uh, but unbeknownst to you all, the pastoral staff has a, a list of who fills in if, for some unforeseen reason, Alan is out of town. And guess who is on that list this week? So, by the providence of God, you're getting me this morning. So don't blame me. Don't blame me. I am both, though, I am both honored. I mean, there are so many guys on our staff that could fill this pulpit uh, much more experienced, but be that what it may, I am honored and terrified at the same time. So, uh, so be that what it may. Okay, so what are we going to speak on this morning? Now, I'm not going to talk to you about something new, although the topic is fresh as, as the day. I, I'm not going to talk to you about anything, I'm not going to give you anything profound. It's like, wow, I didn't have, no, no, that's not not me. Uh, but boy, this subject is profound. And I'm not going to talk about anything you're not familiar with. Yet, probably not like we should be. It's something so basic to our faith that it's uh, the topic of one of our discipleship lessons. So don't expect anything new, profound, unfamiliar. You know, I'm not that smart. You've got to wait for Alan to do his LFBI stuff. I mean, to get that. Yet, what we're going to talk about is all those things. Something so essential that we need to continually and constantly remind ourselves of. And I'm talking about, maybe you guess, this book, the Bible. It's something we've got to always be focusing on. You know, let's talk a little bit about worldviews. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk. You know what a worldview is? There's a lot of talk about it nowadays, worldviews. And there are a lot of them. There's theism, the belief that there is a God. Atheism, the belief that there isn't a God. Pantheism, deism, polytheism, naturalism, positivism, post-positivism. They go on and on and on. And here's a good one, solipsism. Hopefully you've never heard of it. It's weird. Solipsism is the belief that, you know, my mind, I am the only one that really exists. And you all are just figments of my imagination. Now, if that's true, I'm not sure why you all are making me so nervous because it's all in my mind. But anyway, it, that, is, that is out there. That is out there. And there are types of worldviews. There are political. There are ideological worldviews. There are cultural worldviews, philosophical worldviews, and, of course, religious worldviews. Uh, but, but enough of that. What is a worldview? Now, there are many definitions, uh, probably as many as there are worldviews, but I really like the one 
that Focus on the Family puts out. And they frame it this way. They say, a framework, a worldview is a framework from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. Sounds, sounds pretty important to me. Let's, let's look at it again. A framework from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. You know, some folks don't seem to have any difficulty kind of ignoring this topic. It's like, they yeah, have worldview, whatever. I don't, I don't have worldview. But not me. It's not me. I, I, I think about these things. So where, where do where do we get them from? Well, I would think that a lot of people, maybe most, just fall into them without really giving them much thought. It just happens. If you ask them if they had the uh, worldview, they'd say, well, no, no, I don't have one. But, but they do. They often come from our family, from our culture, from our ethnicity, geographic location, on and on, different things make an influence into what our specific worldview is. Now, and some of you may be, if, just for an example, some of you may be former Catholics. And you know what it's like to have a familial worldview. You know, that was your family. That's what you came out of. You know, that was just instilled in you. It becomes second nature. Well, that's how you viewed the world is through that worldview. Well, if you come after your worldview just by happenstance, that seems to me, at least, to be very, very Dangerous. If that is how we, the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life in the world, yet better give it some thought. How, if you just come to it, how do, uh, by happenstance, how do you know the truth content of that worldview? I was raised in a, in a Christian home. It was Methodist, but nevertheless, it, it was Christian. Uh, but years ago, I committed myself that I was going to follow the truth wherever it might lead me. I, you know, I didn't doubt my Christian faith. I just wanted to make sure it was the truth. I wanted to make sure it was valid. You know, I, I, I am a little bit amazed at uh, many people that just get trust others for their worldview, for the parents, their, you know, their leaders, their pastors, even. Uh, you know, as a Methodist, I had a pastor that most of the time his Sunday morning message reflected what was in the Peanuts cartoon that Sunday. You remember the Sunday morning paper used to get, had cartoons in it. And you know, I always read them Sunday morning when I was a kid. And then Sunday morning's like, I think Charlie Brown said that this morning. Uh, so, so that can be very dangerous. Thomas Jefferson is the one that is originally, generally credited with, with saying this. He said in a letter to English historian William Roscoe, for here... We are not afraid to follow truth wherever it may lead. Socrates said something familiar. But while these are both great and wise men, I don't think I'd want to follow these two. Uh, Jefferson was a deist, and a deist believes, well, there is a God. He kind of created things and then just walked away and left it to run on its own. Socrates was a pagan. I don't think I want to follow them. But I do, I do recall someone by the name of Jesus Christ saying such things as found in John 8, 8.32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, 
And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Ah, I mean, I kind of get chills when I read things like this. When you think about it, in verse uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 17 of John chapter 17. Sanctify them through thy word. I'm sorry. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's easy to get those mixed up. Thy word is truth. And then in verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. The truth. We need truth in our worldview. And then there were some things said about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I love the book, book of John. So it's a very important issue, your worldview, and its truth content. Pay attention to it so you don't end up like what happened in, in Ephesians 4, 14. He was telling them to henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are people out there that will deceive you if you do not have a proper worldview. And I hope you've decided who you're going to follow because it is or it must be a conscious decision. Now, we, we don't want to be following celebrities. We don't want to be following our favorite athlete. I'm always kind of amazed at how those type of folks get a political platform. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. But it's, it's like they're athletes, and especially actors. I mean, they live in a world of make-believe. So I don't know. It doesn't always make sense to me, but we need to be careful. So if you've decided that you're going to follow someone, you're going to need further information. You know, Socrates didn't write books, but Plato, his student, wrote Many fine ones. Jefferson wrote many fine works. We know one of them as the Declaration of Independence. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you better read this book. His book. If your worldview is built around Jesus, there's your instructions. Now, there are two types of revelation. To reveal. Revelation. To reveal. The first type, you probably like have heard this, is general. General revelation. It's available to everyone. It's indirect. It's just there. Romans 1, 18 through 20 talks about it. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Boy, they, they, they kind of know, but they're holding it in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest to them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things from the creation of the world 
are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Psalms 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Job 12, verses 7 through 8 says, But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. So we see the creation God has made, and it reveals something to us about God. That's general revelation. This is what science uses. I, you know, I love, I love science. I, I, you know, as, a, as coming out of the 20th century, a child of the 20th century, whatever, uh, I think we were often taught that the Bible and science, ah, they don't, they don't, they don't go together. Well, I've always thought, no, science is simply a way of investigating and understanding the creation that God made. There's no disparity between science and the Bible. Science uses the empirical method. And they do experiments, and they do them again, and they do them again, and they have to have reproducibility. And the more they learn, the more they find they don't know. But in order to have reproducibility... The odd thing is that that's not going to happen without a creator or a designer, philosophically speaking, undergirding that. You know, when I walk out my front door, I, I, I think that I think gravity's going to hold me to the earth. It always has, but philosophically, there is no reason for that to be. I, I know it's counterintuitive, but there really is no reason. The reason that happens each and every time is because there are laws of nature, and in order for there to be laws of nature. There has to be a creator, someone who designed all that. But, you know, I, I, could, I could go on. I probably shouldn't. Uh, you know, back in the 18th and 19th centuries, those scientists were, generally speaking, Christians. Isaac Newton, Christian. Because they had rejected the magic and the alchemy of the Middle Ages. Because they were Christians and they knew God had made this and God had made it consistently. So they started investigating things and they used the scientific method. Science is rooted in the fact that something or someone established and maintains the laws of nature. Like I say, but I, I digress. So let's move on to the second type of revelation. We all likely know what that is. It's called special revelation and it's directed, it's directed, it is direct to a group or an individual. And as Christians, we know what our special revelation is. Do we not? It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God, the Bible. It is God, listen, it is God, I know it's a simple statement, it is God revealing Himself to us. I have nothing new this morning, but it's, it's just, it's awesome very God of the universe, the creator, Alpha, Omega. I mean, very God, the, the potter is revealing him to us, the clay. An incredible, incredible thought. It, 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 it seems important. It seems important to me. Now, God is revealed to us in this, in this Bible, but we take it so for granted, don't we? We have it everywhere. How many of you this morning are using an app? It's okay. You don't have to really raise your hand. But me too. 
I mean, Sunday morning, you see me in here? I'm on, you know, I love my app because it's got, I can search on any word and find places. It's got strong concordance in it. It's got treasury of scripture knowledge in it. You can get concordances in it. It's an amazing thing. I love it. I counted the Bibles I have at home. I have over 40 paper Bibles. And that's just in English. I got some in Spanish and German. I don't know why I can't, I can't read any of it. But I have them. And that's just mine. My wife has more. It's everywhere. Our Bible is everywhere. But how much time and energy do we really spend with it? We can't use the fact that we don't, you know, it's not available. There you know, some places it's not. It's everywhere here. If we say that we have a Christian worldview, and that worldview gives us a framework to view reality and make sense of life in the world, then we need some instructions. We need some information. We need some direction. You know, as a young person, you know, we're like trying to make sense of this world, aren't we? I'm telling you, 60, almost 67, it's like I'm still trying to make sense of things. So we need some instructions. We need some direction. And we have it. We have it. You know, it's no wonder we're sometimes confused because we have it. I'll read it. So like I said at the onset here, I'm not telling you anything new. But this book is as fresh and new as the latest news cycle. I'm not giving you any profound insight here. You already know this stuff. But this book is the most profound thing you will ever contemplate. And this is nothing, nothing that we're not familiar with, but how familiar are we with that book? You know why I, I know that some of you, maybe many of you, are not in this book, not in the Bible, like you ought to be? You know why I know that? Because I'm guilty of it. I, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. I have been there. I will be there. And I will probably never be where I really ought to be. But we need to, we need to put in the effort, don't we? I just want to edify you this morning. I want to be con- bring conviction to me. And I'm hoping some of it rubs off on you as well. Now, why is it that we're always pleading with God for direction when we ignore the instructions that he's already given us? I I can imagine God up in heaven, all right, listening to some of our prayers. God, I need help with my marriage. She's crazy. I, you know, I I, I think I've got all together, but uh, anyway, you know. It's like, God, help me. Give me. Tell me what to do. What should I do? Where should I go? How, how do I solve this? And I can see God just up there saying, it's in the book. It's in the book. God, I need help with my children. Wow, they're doing things that I didn't think about doing when I was their age. It's like they're off the rails. I, they're out of control. God, I need help. Give me direction. God, help me. We pray when we pray. And it says, I... I don't, know, I don't know where to go with this. And God's up there saying, it's in the book. God, I need help with my finances. This COVID-19 thing, I've lost my job. I can't make my rent. 
It's like, things are getting tough. It's like, what do I do? Well, believe it or not, it's in the book. It's in the book. God, I need help with my addictions. I've tried. I can't get over them. They just keep coming back. I need help, God. Tell me what to do. Where should I go? I need instruction. I need direction. And God's saying, it's in the book. God, I need help with whatever it is. You fill in the bank. Blank. It is in the book. So he's saying, Sean, you mean I've got to read the instructions? Can't God just whisper it in my ear? I mean, I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer, a handyman. I know you probably wouldn't think that of me, but I am. So when, when I buy something, I, you know, you can, for whatever extra money, you can have them put it together. Uh, oh, that costs extra money. You know, my wife says I squeak when I walk. I'm so cheap. So I won't do that. I'm going to do it myself, all right? Well, after about half a dozen times of trying to put this thing together, whatever it might be, I finally says, you know, I think maybe I need to dig out the instructions. YouTube, it's a great, great thing. Are we that way with the Word of God? We try to do things ourselves, figure it out ourselves, ask God to, you know, you know, it'd be great for that guy from Home Depot to come over to my house and put it together for me. But God's not going to come to your house and put it together for you because he told you how to do it in this book. Now, I know most of us have good intentions. We do. But we often just don't follow through, do we? Uh, You may be a new Christian and you need help with this. We all need someone to help us, to come alongside us. This church has so many ways to help you to get into this word. We have Discipleship One. Someone comes and meets with you one-on-one, either personally or or online, uh, and take you through the major doctrines of the Christian faith. We have discipleship, too, where you get in deeper. I remember when I first learned some of those deeper things of the Word of God. I was so excited how the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 wasn't 66 individual books. It all actually fit together. It actually all made sense with a theme from one end to the other, from cover to cover. It was amazing. That's the type of things you learn in Discipleship 2. Living Faith Bible Institute. It's not just for pastors or preachers, Sunday school leaders, deacons. It's for everyone. You you don't have to take it for credit even. You You can audit those classes. We have men's studies. We have women's studies. My wife puts me to shame. She's in teaching the, the children this morning, so I'm glad she's not here, but she kind of puts me to shame when it comes to this thing. Those ladies do. We have adult classes. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace. You can get it for free online right now. The church paid for it. Now, and you think, well, he's going to teach me financial stuff. Yeah, yeah, he is, but it's all based on biblical, biblical principles. It's in the book. We have harvest teams that we're getting organized. If You know, if... if if you want to have a reason or a drive to learn your Bible, get in a harvest team where you're going over your testimony and learning how to speak to someone about your faith, and you, you're going to learn the Word of God. We have so many reasons or so many ways. But, but maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for years and years, and, and 
you're not a new Christian, but you've been around for a while. You just can't seem to get interested in the Word of God. Well, respectfully, I say, you might want to check your, your salvation. Are you saved? I'm serious. Because we should all have a desire to be in the Bible. We should all at least have a good intention. Like I say, we don't always follow through. But the Holy Spirit comes into us when we get saved. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire to know the Word of God. We should at least have that desire. But maybe you're, you're, you've been a Christian and you can't seem to find the time. Well, I would say you probably need to check your priorities. And you probably need to check your distractions. In the 21st century, we are so distracted. But maybe you've been Christian around for a long time and you just feel like, I've been there, I've done that. Well, I would say you need to change up your methods then. Change your reading schedule. You know, I have a a schedule to get through the Word of God every year. Alan puts out historical uh, schedule in our prayer diary. Uh, there are many different schedules out there to get to the Word of God. Maybe you need to switch up the time of day that you get into your Word. If, you're, if you aren't, or if it's not working for you, maybe mornings work better, maybe nights work. Change it up. Maybe even the, you know, I have a bunch of King James Bibles at home. Uh, and over the years, I have gone through different ones because something's in a different place on a different page, and it just kind of makes it a little bit fresher. So some of those things can help. But maybe you need to look at what you're after, too. What are you going for? Are you going deep enough? Because this word, this, the word of God is so deep, you are never going to get to the bottom of it. So it takes effort. It takes effort. Second Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it takes effort, but you know what? It really does take more than that. It takes more than that. And my thesis this morning, finally getting to it, is that you won't have a relationship, a relationship, with the Word of God until you learn to love the Word of God. That's that Holy Spirit in you. You won't have a relationship with the Word of God until you learn to love the Word of God. And that's what you need. You need a relationship with this book. It's, it's been said that it's not how much you go through the Word of God that's important, but rather how much the Word of God goes through you. That's the difference between an academic study and a relationship. Anybody, lost people, can have an academic study of this book. They can have, they can teach it. I mean, they do all the time. But that's not a relationship. Let, let's, let's, let's talk relationships. Maybe with your spouse, maybe with your boyfriend, maybe girlfriend, whatever. Maybe with a good friend that you've uh, had. Uh, Maybe with your parents, your children. You know, all those relationships start out somewhat tenuously. They're a little bit unsure, especially you remember the dating. Oh, glad that's over with. I mean, you just don't, you don't know each other well. You've got to learn some basics of their personality. 
It takes time. It takes commitment. But slowly, that relationship grows. It doesn't happen overnight. You may have to learn their favorite hobby. You may come to like it too. You can do that together. The more effort you spend, the stronger the relationship becomes. You may have to memorize some things about them, their schedule. You know, my wife always says, you know, know, I won't be here tonight because I've got such, 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 such. I didn't know that. She says, I told you two, three days ago. I says, yeah, okay. And that's, that's true. I just don't remember. I says, yeah, I'm sure you did. I don't remember. So I need to memorize my wife's schedule better. But maybe favorite pastimes, maybe favorite foods, restaurants, whatever. But, you know, Bible memorization is kind of a lost art. Well, again, we have it on our devices. It's everywhere. It's so easy just to pull things up. And that, they're great. They are really great. I say half my brain is in my, in my phone, and it really is. I lo- I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have it. But you know, I don't even know my wife's phone number. I mean, if I got lost somewhere and had to call her and didn't have my phone with me, I, I don't know what it is. Kind of sad. But if we truly have a relationship and love the Word of God, We'll say what David said in Psalms 119.11. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We, we do need to memorize the, the word of God. You know, I have a pastor to help, uh, associate pastor in Montana for 13 some odd years. Uh, and this last year, one of the pastors, or I'm sorry, one of the, the members up there, he's a deacon in the church, called me, good friend. And he went and talked something over. I really don't recall what it was now. It was a good conversation. And at some point in time in that conversation, I, I, I said, I quoted a verse of scripture to him. I said, and I said, Blaine, I, I can't remember where it's at. And he immediately came back with it. I felt, wow, I'm impressed. I says, how'd you know that? Awana. He was an Awana kid. Don't ever discount what goes on on Sunday night in those Awana classes. Those kids are learning the Word of God. They're memorizing it. And even though they may not use it or may fall away for a period of time, that seed will remain in them. But ultimately, in any relationship, if it's going to last, we we fall in love. We fall in love. And we as Christians are the bride of Christ. You'd think we would love what he says. Now, we don't all fall in love the same way. Some of us go in heads over heel. Head over heels. Get that backwards, right? We only have one head. Some of us are love at first sight. Blind love. I, I see new Christians. This happens to them and praise the Lord. I always get like, eh, that's not me. That's not my style. But that's their style. That's, 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 that's great. Some of us need to warm up to it. That's kind of me. You know, like, okay, what's this all about? That's okay. I'm a slow learner. But don't get stuck or satisfied where you're at. Job 23.12 says, I have esteemed the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. Do we do that? Isaiah 28 verses 9 through 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. He says it again, precept upon precept, line upon upon line. Again, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. That's how I have to learn. Precept upon precept, a little bit at a time. Now, 
the, there are some of us that have to wrap our head around it. We've got to understand it kind of like, what is this all about? And, you know, that's all right, too. That's all right, too. You know, but it can't just be an intellectual relationship. An intellectual relationship, as good as that may be, as good as you may know this word, the Bible, intellectually, that's not going to change your life or anybody else's. We need to learn to love it. Mark twelve twenty says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So we need to love the word of God with our mind. We do. But we need to love it with our heart as well. This is what God has written to us. It's a love letter to us. And if anybody should be our example, it's David in Psalms 119. Let me read a few verses out of Psalms 119. In verse 48, David says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law! It is my meditation all the day. We, we, we should all memorize. It's short. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. If we were to meditate in the word of God all day, boy, our problems, we would, would get solved. We would figure those things out. Meditate in the word of God. Verse 127. Therefore, I love thy, law, thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. There's your finances. There's the problem. We love our gold above the word. Verse 140, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Verse 167, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Now, have you ever let a friendship go? Uh, you know. Maybe they've moved. Uh, maybe you drifted apart. Maybe life circumstances changed. And then, for some reason, you reconnect. You know, uh, for my 60th uh, birthday, uh, Shane Crawford, some of you know him, was, I pastored, he was the pastor in Montana. Uh, and they moved to, to North Carolina. And for my 60th birthday, I got a phone call from him. And he says, uh, you know, nice talking to you. It's been a while. It had been a while since we talked. We don't really don't talk that much. Um, and he says, you know, I'm having dinner tonight with a good friend, and I'm just, I'll be glad to see you. And I says, what? You're having dinner with me tonight? You're in North Carolina. I'm in Kansas City. It's not going to work. Well, unknowns to me, my wife had planned this trip, packed for me. That's an interesting experience. Uh, and within an hour, we were flying to the airport. My daughter was driving. But praise the Lord, we made it. And so I had dinner with him that night, you know, and I had not seen her, talk, really talked with him much, maybe emailed occasionally for I don't know how many years, and we picked up and we were right back where we were. Did that ever happen to you? You just pick right back up. It's like riding a bike. You know, in Revelation 2, God hath good things to say about the church of Ephesus. But then in verse 4, he said, Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Have we left our first love? 
Have we left the love of the Word of God? I mean, I just want to encourage you because I need it. I need to hear this. And I thought you might too. I don't know. But you can pick it back up wherever you left. It's still there. That's the thing about those Awana kids memorizing those verses. It's still there. Pick it back up. I just want to encourage you. You know, when when Jesus ascended to heaven, he replaced himself with three things. Number one, the church. The church has has provided lots of tools for it. The church, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who teaches you the word of God. That's another message. And the third thing he left was the word of God. It's like a three-legged stool. Those three things. And maybe some of you are trying to rest or sit in your faith on one or two legs. You know, you come to church. Says, I, you know, we went through a bunch of scriptures this morning. He says, I hear scripture. I heard the Bible when I go to church. It's like it's not a big deal. You know, I know the Holy Spirit's living inside me. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to listen to him. But some of you, it's like you're on one or two legs. You, get a, you feel a little off balanced. It's what happens. You feel a little wobbly. You need all three. You need that word of God. Now, we really don't have time. I'm over time. We don't need to talk about, we don't have time to talk about methods this morning. But might I suggest, if, if, if you haven't or aren't, but set aside some time each and every day. It's a simple suggestion. At a certain time, to do some reading, do some meditating, 15, 30 minutes, whatever. You know, another thing, Mark Trotter, our dear brother who just recently passed away, has put out some fantastic books. Two of them called 52 Weeks of Pursuit. What a tribute to him. If you were to pick up one of those and start going through that as your, as your Bible study. I, you know, I wouldn't recommend a certain number of chapters, although I try. You know, if you get three or three some odd chapters a day, will get you through the Word of God in the year. And I try to do that. But you've got to be careful with that because you end up finding yourself rushing. Ah, I've got to get my three chapters today. All right? So I wouldn't recommend that. Remember, it's a relationship. You don't want just head knowledge. You want heart knowledge. So start where you are, restart where you need to go, and see where God takes you. You know, I'm praying that none of you out here needed to hear this message this morning. That you're already doing what you're doing, already doing what you need to do. But you know what? I did. I did. And I'm hoping it's helpful to you as well. Let's, let's, Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here and you not only don't have a relationship with the Bible, with the Word of God, but, but you don't have a relationship with its author. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, you can start that right now. The, the Bible simply says to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You just have to believe, you just have to know that you're a sinner. We are all sinners. We've all transgressed the law of God. You have to know that Jesus paid that price for your sin. The the, the price that you, you could not pay. And you simply need to accept that payment and ask him into your heart. Now, if you've done that or would like to, Alan has a book up here. Uh, called Next Steps for New Believers. We'd love to give you one. Come up afterward. We're done praying here. We'll make sure you get a copy. And we're praying for you. Lord, Lord we just thank you for, for this morning. We thank you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we would be so lost without it. And yet, 
We ask for forgiveness, Lord, when we don't follow through and hide it in our hearts. When we don't take the time to meditate in it, Father, and become the men and women that you've called us to be, Father. We thank you for this church where we have so much opportunity, Father. We have no excuses, Lord. Uh, We ask for conviction, Lord. We ask for forgiveness, Father. We know that you will bring us, Lord. May, may, May we listen to your Holy Spirit convicting us, Father. We pray for Alan as he's away. We pray for blessing on the Trotter family, Lord, and comfort, Lord. You are a great God. We love you. We want to serve you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.